On the Virtual Bible Study tonight, we're talking about worship. We're going to continue our series. Well, I don't know if it's going to be a series or not, Jacob, but we started something last week. We we called our study last week, Church 101. Yep. We thought maybe a sort of a common sense follow-up to that would be Worship 101, real okay. basic thoughts about worship from the Word of God. We're going to keep it simple. Yeah. And we're going to get started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 93- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and we're on the virtual bible study welcome this is the virtual bible study for thursday april 29th 2020 thank you for joining us on the program tonight my name is jacob gwynn my father greg gwynn is here hello dad jacob great to be with you good to be with you kyle's behind the controls kyle welcome it's always good to be here. good to be with you and we're glad that you're listening tonight we want to hear from you at 877-381-4567 questions at collegeu.com or in the chat room the, the listeners are filing in there now get your seat and uh sign in so you can share your comments with other listeners. Yeah, we want to hear from you. We think our program is better when you participate. We've got some participation. We've got several emails that have we come do. in, and we'll be keeping our in-mail inbox in our email. We'll be keeping it under surveillance. So if you've got some more things to add, do that. Use the chat room uh, and call. So we'll be glad to hear from you in any way that you can participate in the virtual Bible study tonight. Uh, our subject, I thought we had a pretty good discussion last week and seemed like we got a, a, a reasonably good response from people who suggested, I think, which suggests to us at least, that maybe a, a, a study of some of these basic concepts is in order. Absolutely. Um, I think we make a mistake sometimes in assuming that everybody knows these basics or especially maybe assuming that our young people understand these basics. Big problem. Yeah. And so we we need to make sure we get back and cover all the bases on the very fundamentals of our faith. And so last week we talked about church, called it Church 101. This week we're going to talk about Worship 101, some very basic fundamental thoughts about worship. So to our update list earlier today, we sent out some questions, and these are the ones that we hope to cover tonight. If you're not getting our updates, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com and just say, add me to your list, and we will. Here's what we sent out earlier today. Number one, what is the proper definition of worship? Number uh, As a sub-point, is worship only done when we, quote, go to church? Are there any elements of worship that can only be done in church? So we want to talk about worship and where and how it's done. Okay. Number two, will God accept any and all forms of worship? If not, what is required for acceptable worship? Number three, we sometimes mention five acts of worship. What are they? List and very briefly describe each one because each one of those could be a study in itself. That's why I said we've got to be brief about that. And finally, number four, comment on each of these mistakes that are common concerning worship. Adding to or substituting things that are not authorized in Scripture, 
doing the right things, but only doing them as mere ritual. Worship is good if it provides the idea that some have that worship is good if it provides the worshiper with an emotional high. So that's sort of the regulating factor here. So if it, what it doesn't do for me, if it does something for me, then it must be okay. Yeah. All right. Good things to talk about. All right. Let's talk about that first one, Jacob, the proper definition of worship. It's kind of interesting that there, there are five different Greek words that are translated as worship or something akin to worship in, in the Greek New Testament. The most common one, and it's found over 60 times, is proskunio, uh, which means to make obeisance to, do reverence to. Literally, it suggests to kiss the hand toward. Mm. And so uh, it, it suggests that the, the idea of, of of how one might respect, I mean, it's obviously more than this, but, but it, it goes to kiss the hand toward it. It goes to the idea of how you might pay special honor or respect to a position of high, a person of high authority, maybe a king or someone. Uh, Vine says that worship may be regarded as the direct acknowledgement to God of his nature, attributes, ways, and claims, whether by outgoing of the heart in praise and thanksgiving or by deed done in such acknowledgement. And so we acknowledge God for who he is, mm-hmm. and then we act accordingly. That's what worship is. Right, right. Um, all right. Um, let's see what our listeners had to say about this. Uh, Kent says, by the term worship, we refer to the term as stated in John 4, verses 23 and 24. Proskuneo, as you mentioned, which is defined as to make obeisance to do reverence. While worship is an essential component of the collective assembly of the local church, the New Testament indicates that specific acts of worship can be given outside the assembly. Okay, hang on to that. Let's let, let, he's going into our follow-up question. That's true. So All let's right, hang on to that. There. Uh, here's what Grant had to say. Grant's up in Franklin, Tennessee. He references Eaton's Bible Dictionary, homage, render to God, which is which it is sinful idolatry to render to any other created being. Exodus 34, verse 14, Isaiah 2, verse 8. Such worship was refused by Peter, Acts 10, verses 5 and 26, and by an angel in Revelation 22, verse 8 and 9. Get get what Grant is saying. That's kind of interesting. Grant, you you brought that out in a way I hadn't thought of. It's what we do toward God. If you did that toward anything else, it would be a sin. In other words, this, this kind of homage is exclusively to our creator. Yeah. Okay. He references Vine's complete expository dictionary, shaka, which is another word you did not reference, I guess, to worship, prostrate oneself, bow down. Yeah, that's Hebrew. Well, that's Hebrew. That's right. Uh, Thayer's lexicon, uh, proskuneo, hence uh, in the New Testament, by kneeling or prostration to do homage to one or make obeisance, whether in order to express respect or to make supplication, uh, prostration to make oneself Bow or kneel down in humility or adoration. Obeisance, a gesture or movement of the body expressing reverence or respect, such as a bow or a curtsy. And the American Heritage Death Dictionary, the reverent love, respect, and allegiance felt as for a deity or sacred object. Okay. You know, I I think it's good to work on that definition because, again, that may be one of the things that we take for granted. Oh, yeah, worship. I know. I know worship. But get the idea. It's to show... It is to hold one in deep reverence and then act accordingly. Uh, that's the idea of worship. Dwight and Michelle are listening out in Ames, Iowa tonight and have responded to your email. They uh, said this is a great follow-up, so they like the topic. 
They say worship is defined as reverence offered to a divine being. It is to show love and adoration for something or someone. Worship, proskuneo in the Greek, means to kiss the hand of a superior. Worship to God for us today is done in different ways. Those being preaching, praying, singing, giving of our means, and taking of the Lord's Supper. Each of these articles of worship have specifics behind them that have to be acceptable uh, in, in worship. Okay. All right. Great. Thank you. All right. So now, so if we understand worship, then the, the follow-up question was, can we only do that when we're and and I use the uh, sort of the common vernacular there, and, and some of our emailers uh, I think. Uh, Picked up on that and even used the proper kind of terminology of in the assembly. I said in church. I go to church to worship. I worship when I'm at church. Is that the only time? Is it, now, first of all, you put the, you, for people who are listening to the podcast, you put quotes around to church because yeah. that's not a scriptural terminology. Right. It's, it's, it's a common terminology. Go to church is not right. in the Bible, yeah. right. but um, but. Certainly we do worship when we're in the assembly. We'll talk more about that a little bit as we develop this. But is that the only time I can worship is when I am in an assembly of the saints? Um, Well, we're going to talk about some of the acts of worship. Notice what Jesus said about prayer. Prayer is an act of worship. In other words, I'm, I'm, I'm petitioning the almighty creator of the heavens and earth. Uh, Jesus said, when thou prayest, Matthew 6, verse 6, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to their father, pray to thy father, which is in secret. And thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. Now, that's not saying that the only time we can pray is in, in our closet. But what it is saying is there's obviously a case of an act of worship that is not done in an assembly. Okay. Unless you can squeeze the whole church into your closet, that's not done in the assembly. Exactly. Um, all right. And then I was thinking of another place in, in James. Um, Chapter my, 5. If I can get my pages loose here, I think it must be humid in here. They're sticking together. Uh, you didn't uh, cut that out like John Calvin, did no. you? No. Okay. Uh, John 5, or excuse me, yeah, James 5, verse 5, is any among you afflicted, let him pray. Is any merry, let him sing psalms. I could I could be driving down the road, and I'm feeling merry. I feel happy. I feel blessed. I break out in a, in a song of praise to God. I'm the only one in the car. Now, the, the people driving around me may think I've lost my mind when they see me singing and nobody in the car, but I could be okay. praising God. In that way. So uh, my answer to that question is worship only done quote in church no we can we can do we can worship god many times many ways all by ourselves even all right well, you had a follow-up to that follow-up uh well uh, yeah and, th- and then i ask are there any elements of worship that can only be done though in the assembly now this goes to something that we've talked about rather extensively in recent months as different uh, as churches have tried to cope with the coronavirus pandemic we we take a strong position that the observance of the Lord's Supper must be done when the whole church has come together in one place. First Corinthians 11, First Corinthians 14, Paul uses that kind of terminology. So I would say yes. Now there's some concept, some some acts of worship that can only be done in the assembly, but not all. There there are acts of worship we can do 
anytime, anyplace. All right, here's what we have from uh, Kent. He says, um, worship is an essential uh, component of the collective assembly of the local church. The New Testament indicates that specific acts of worship can be given outside the assembly. Prayer and singing, Acts 16.25. Preach. Oh, that's uh, Acts 16.25. They were... uh, and they were in, in a prison cell. Yeah, interesting. Preaching Acts thirteen verses fourteen through sixteen regarding the Lord's Supper, such as limited to the first day of the week assembly of the local church. Acts twenty verse seven, First Corinthians eleven verse twenty. I formerly would have argued that giving, as one has been prospered according to First Corinthians sixteen one and two, must be practiced in the assembly of the first day of the week. However, further study has caused me to conclude that while our contribution must be deposited in the treasury on the first day of the week. The actual act of contributing may take place outside the assembly. Yeah, I'm like you, Kent. Uh, that, that was kind of interesting. That, that's that, that whole question about giving and must it be done in the assembly, that was a challenge to the thinking of a lot of us, and, and I think maybe we saw it a little more clearly. And I, I'm in the same boat as Kent on that. Yeah, all right. Um, is worship done only when we go to church? Grant answers no. Worship can occur not only when a local group of Christians uh, assemble together, but also as individuals or when other groups of Christians get together. I know of examples where Christians might meet in someone's house and sing praises to God. That is worship. I know of occasions where several meet together and might pray for someone or give thanks to God simply for their daily meals. As an individual, I can give homage to God without being in the assembly of the saints. And in fact, that is the life we should be leading. Think of Paul and Silas in prison, Acts 16.25, praying and singing, uh, singing hymns of praise to God. Thank you, Grant, for that. Now, Grant also answers the question, is there any element of worship that can only be done in the church? That is the assembly. Yes. The Lord's Supper, 1 Corinthians 11.16-34, reveals that the saints in the Corinth came together for the worship, their worship in observing the Lord's Supper. Studying all these passages, we see specified specific authority where the Lord's Supper is to be taken. It is not to be taken when the church is assembled together. It is to be taken when the church is assembled together in the assembly. Since it is specified where the Lord's Supper is to be taken in the assembly, there is no authority to partake of it in other places. I got to agree with you, Grant. All right, Grant. Thanks for that. Mohan is in Chicago, Illinois. God will not accept any. Oh, no, that's not the right question. Uh, let's see, Dwight and Michelle. Worship with most of the articles of worship does not ha- have to be during the assembly only with one exception that being partaking of the lord's supper we have listed for us in first corinthians 11 that the lord's supper is something that should be done as an assembly that is when we come together yeah so i think we're all on the same page on that yeah. but I, I do think that if so talking about worship 101 i think if you went out in just the streets of columbia tennessee uh, and just ask the question where do you worship what is worship and and where can you do it? Oh, you got to go to church to worship. I think the vast majority of people would answer that's something you got to do in church. Uh, and uh, I think all of our responders have have suggested accurately that it is not limited. That, with the exception of the Lord's Supper. All right. When we get back, what's the next question for us to delve delve into here as we keep it simple about worship tonight? Okay. So, next question: Will God accept any and all forms of worship? If not, what is required for acceptable worship? All right, Kyle. We're going to get into that. Uh, you you getting your this all down over there? Oh yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, don't go anywhere. The verse Bible study continues right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. Here's a quick thought. 
Whatever you do, work heartily as though you're working for the Lord and not for man. Colossians 3:23. That word heartily means deeply, profoundly, from the bottom of your heart with all your heart. So whatever you do today, do it with all your heart. Do it as though you're serving the Lord, because you are. Seize the day. Here's some quotes worth pondering. When you choose the lesser of two evils, always remember that it's still an evil. Theodore Roosevelt said, No man is justified in doing evil on the ground of expedience. Never open the door to a lesser evil, for other and greater ones invariably slink in after it. Man, wish I'd said that. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. We are back on the program tonight as we talk about Worship 101 and very basic things about worship. But, you know, it's important that we stay with the fundamentals. I think that's the problem with a lot of, uh, of uh, our teaching today is that we think it has to be something deep. It has to be something new. It has to be something people haven't ever thought about before. It has to be sort of cutting-edge innovation in yeah. religion. That's not what the Scriptures tell us. So yeah. Peter and Jude both were diligent about putting people in remembrance of things that they already knew. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and we need to do that, and we need to do it more. Ah, frequently. we've heard that stuff before. We, I mean, you preachers, just keep coming over the same stuff over Plowing and over. Plowing the same ground. Yeah. Well, it has to be plowed again, and we see the results of it not being plowed. Uh, it doesn't take long uh, for uh, God's people to wander if they're not brought back home. Second Peter chapter one verse twelve, Peter says, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. There you go. So Peter was making no apologies about coming back over some very necessary things. All right, we're doing that tonight on the program. All right. So the the question is, will God accept any and all forms of worship? Let me start that out uh, by suggesting that there is something called vain worship. Okay. Matthew 15, verses 8 and 9. It's kind of interesting. Uh, uh, Jesus was actually referencing what the prophet Isaiah had said 700 years earlier. So Isaiah saw this problem. Jesus saw this problem. I think this problem still exists. Notice Matthew 15, verse 8. This people draweth nigh to me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Notice, he says, they do worship me, but he says, it is in vain. And of course, the, the, the literal meaning there of that phrase, in vain, literally worthless or good for nothing. And that's the very word Jesus used there. That you could worship and it would be worthless or good for nothing. Um, oh. So uh, it, the, the first answer to our to our question is, will God accept all forms of worship? Jesus plainly said no, absolutely not. So, I mean, uh, we probably could stop right there. That's the definitive answer to the question. It is, but you, you think about that. Uh, these people were very – this wasn't like a casual thing that they were just – they were like – Going to the ball game and calling it worship. They were they were serious about their worship. Yeah. They were doing lots of things about. It. And in Luke chapter eighteen, we read about the uh, the Pharisee that goes up to pray, 
he he he's got a very well worded prayer. You know, he didn't have to pious. go. He didn't have to go up and pray. Yeah, but he did. Yeah. Of course, it was a bad prayer. But he he actually he was putting forth the effort to to do a religious act. Yeah. So not good. Did, he, did, was he, not, he, he did not go home justified. That's right. Jesus said he did not go home justified after that prayer. And so you can't. There's definitely some forms of worship that are not acceptable to God. All right. Uh, let me. Uh, I've got. I've got a couple others to add to that. What about ignorant worship? Uh, I think some people would be shocked to think about people worshiping ignorantly. In fact, that might be off-putting to some people. You know, oh, yeah, well, that's worshiping in ignorance. But actually, that terminology is used when Paul was in Athens in Acts 17. Acts 17, verse 16, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. So this was a city very given over to pagan worship. So Paul had was invited, given the opportunity to speak to the assembled crowd. Verse 22, Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all respects. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. What therefore you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. So, as has been typically explained there, the, the Athenians, these pagan worshipers, had an idol to everything, you know. They didn't, and they didn't want to leave anybody else. So just in case, didn't want to leave anybody out. So just in case they might have left a deity out, they made a, an altar to the unknown God. Paul said, that God, that one that you, you don't know about, you worship, you're worshiping, you don't even know him. I'm going to tell you who he is and what he's done. So there was ignorant worship, uninformed worship. And I think that that's certainly possible uh, in in this time as well. Uh, Now, the reason people would be ignorant is not because they they don't have access to the information. The reason they worship ignorantly is because they haven't availed themselves of the study of the Word of God. They haven't applied themselves to know what God has revealed. Uh, Paul said in Ephesians 3, beginning verse 3, By revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote a four and few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Paul said, God revealed to me, I wrote down, you read it, you understand. In fact, in Ephesians 5, verse 17, he said, Be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So ignorance is not an excuse. Is it, is it a reality? Yeah, it's a reality, but it's not an excuse. But people worship ignorantly. They don't know. They don't know what they're supposed to do. They just go about doing something, and it's and it's does it doesn't get the job done. I'm thinking about maybe some folks who uh, maybe do some things in worship that they don't understand why they're doing them. And well, I don't know. The, the priest told me to do this, or the pastor told me that this is what we should do. Yeah. Or this is what everybody else is doing. Is that is that not ignorant worship? Yeah. Is that even if it was right, would God be happy with that if you're just doing it because somebody told you to do it? Yeah, one more here. What about will worship? Uh, Colossians two, beginning verse twenty. Paul said, "Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are ye subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which are all to perish with the using." After the commandments and doctrines of men, in other words, men had set forth those regulations. He's, he, 
he said, which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship and humility and neglecting the body, but not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. So Paul said they were they were following the doctrines of men and and they and and for and, and they were allowing those doctrines of men to regulate them touch not taste not handle not he says that's a form of will worship will worship uh, is my will not god's will the, the we should worship according to god's will when we worship by our own will then that's not acceptable uh, vine says about that phrase will worship he says, voluntarily adopted worship, whether unbidden or forbidden. Mm. So I think most of us can grasp forbidden, but few are aware that worship that is unbidden is not acceptable either. It's worship. It's what I like. It's what I want. It's our will, not his will. Uh, I might use this illustration. I had a neighbor once, and uh, he, we invited him to services, him and his family. They came a time or two, and then didn't come we followed up with him and they said the guy said well he said you all don't have organ music in church and he said i just love organ music he said it just doesn't feel like worship to me if there's not an organ playing it's what i like he actually said i just like it that way well if you think about that's will worship that's what he likes not what god has instructed will worship that's not acceptable so my answer to the question, will God accept any and all worship? No, there's vain worship. There's ignorant worship. There's will worship. Obviously, those are not acceptable to God. Dwight and Michelle uh, reference clapping. Clapping is well practiced in denominations. They think it is acceptable worship. Well, that's a good point, uh, Dwight and Michelle. You know, we have been asked that question. We probably need to dive into that deeper at some point. It's becoming uh, more common in so-called churches of Christ today yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, we need to be aware of that. Um, what about uh, Kent? He says God will not accept any and all forms of worship. The only type of worship God will accept is that which is based upon spirit and truth. John four twenty three and twenty four. In the text, the term spirit speaks with reference to the right type of disposition regarding the human spirit, and truth regarding the proper authority. The New Testament of Christ, Colossians three seventeen. Okay, Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. So Kent is also taking that second part of the question. If if not all forms of worship are acceptable, what is required? And that's the key verse that Kent has suggested there. John four twenty four. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And as Kent properly lined out there, spirit obviously has to do with the disposition of my heart as I engage in these acts. Truth has to do with exactly what I'm doing and doing it according to what's been revealed. Spirit and truth. So what the things required for acceptable worship are in spirit and in truth. All right. Mohan's in Chicago. He answers, God will not accept any form of worship, but only accepts worship prescribed in the New Testament. And Grant says, no, God will not accept any and all forms of worship. And he gives examples. I like this. Look at the examples that he cites. He cites in the Old Testament. It's been true even in the Old Testament days. God didn't accept any form of worship. He references Cain and Abel in Genesis 4, verses 3 through 5. God had, or Cain, uh, for Cain, he, God did, and his offering, God had no regard. So says. Cain did something. He, he offered a sacrifice. 
But it wasn't what God had instructed, and God did not respect his sacrifice. There you go. It wasn't pleasing to God. He references Nadab and Abihu in Leviticus 10, verses 1 and 2. They offered strange fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And how did he? How did God react to that? Well, he struck him dead. And you know, it's interesting uh, that he also says that he was not hallowed when they did that. And yeah. when we don't worship God according to His instructions, we're we're disrespecting Him, as Nadab and Abihu did. And he says, referring to Israel prior to going into Assyrian captivity, Amos chapter five verses twenty-one through twenty-three. I hate, I reject your festivals, nor do I delight in your solemn assemblies. assemblies. Even though you offer me uh, burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them, and I will not even look at the peace offerings of your fatlings. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not even listen to the sound of your harps. God says you're doing stuff, and I won't even look at it. Yeah, really good. That'd be a terrifying thought, though, for Israel. If it does, or that'd be just uh, the worship that you're giving to God is vain. It's repulsive. It is yeah. Just, like, we're doing something wrong. I here. hate is, what you're doing, he said. I hate your It's festival. not like, yeah, if it's okay, if, you, if you're getting a kick out of it, go for it. No, he said, I can't stand it. You know, and, and boy, that, that, that's really good. Grant brought up some really good examples there. But th- this just flies in the face of the modern notion that God is just God is just sort of up there in heaven, and he's just like a baby bird with his mouth open, and he'll just accept anything we throw in his direction. You know, he just, oh, he's just so desperate to have us do something uh, toward him that he'll just oh man he's just so happy to get anything do anything he's just happy to get no that's never been true with god god's a god of detail and he Uh. prescribes what kind of worship that he wants he doesn't say you just figure it out make it up as you go whatever gets you uh, excited no God tells us how he wants to be worshipped and expects us to do it. Grant also uh, references a New Testament example. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 27, he says, We must observe the Lord's Supper in a worthy manner. 1 Corinthians 11, 27, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. That sounds pretty... Sound like yeah, that there. wasn't acceptable. You, you want it? to be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord? That means you, if you don't... Then you need to be making sure that you worship God like He wants to be worshipped. Yeah, I noticed in Dwight's email he commented on some all those same passages that we had already talked about: John four twenty four, Matthew fifteen eight and nine. Yep. Uh, and and he did bring up Nadab and Abihu also, which I think is just a really classic example. In fact, you better be careful and do it right because God will not accept what if if it's not right. All right. All right. Uh, so, let's take a break. I want to maybe just talk just a little bit more about the two elements of acceptable worship in spirit and in truth, and then we got to move on to the five acts of worship and see what we find out there. All right, this week's bullet point is coming up, and we'll take your thoughts on the other side. We're back right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. Hi, I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks us. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the Virtual Bible Study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. 
Please join us here every Thursday night on the Virtual Bible Study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's Bullet Point. More and more, we hear folks deciding to attend a certain church because there are, quote, lots of good activities for the young people, unquote. Often it is the sole basis for making this important determination. Programs, activities, and groups for the young people. That's the drawing card. And what activities are these folks searching for? Are we talking here about carefully arranged Bible classes that seek to instill an understanding of God's Word in the hearts of our young people? Is it sound teaching from the pulpit and scriptural practice in the way the church does its business so that the young folks can learn respect for Bible authority? Is it love between brethren that manifests itself by each individual demonstrating, quote, hospitality one to another, 1 Peter 4, verse 9? Sadly, the answer to these questions is no. Instead, the activities that are desired, quote, for the young people, unquote, are fun and games, youth groups, sponsored parties, retreats, outings, camps, softball and basketball leagues, and so forth. The bigger the better, and the more the merrier seems to be the rule. Lest anyone misunderstand, let it be known that we love basketball, baseball, camping, parties, and fun and food in general. We strongly favor such things being provided as an avenue of good, clean fun for our young folks. But we insist that there's no authority in the Bible for the church to provide such. Let parents who really care see to it that the kids have these needed diversions and let the church keep to its important authorized work. There's nothing better for our young people than this. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. Back on the program tonight, reminding you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more at thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeu.com. Podcast sermons that have been presented to the College of Church of Christ at uh, thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeu.com. Find out how to sign up for that podcast. You can also find out how to get to the YouTube link there, Kyle. Um, and you're making or adding new videos on a weekly basis. Yeah, which that's uh, we're yeah. So we have three uh, videos on Sunday. Our Bible class and our two services and Wednesday night Bible class. So yeah, it's a good addition to your Bible study. How yeah. much is a subscription to that channel going to cost me, Kyle? <laughs> Well, it's a free trial. Oh, free trial. Okay, free trial. 365 uh, day a year tri- free trial. Um, on Sunday morning, we're studying Ecclesiastes. I think you've got a playlist going for that. Uh, Sunday night, we, uh, we're going to try to conclude that this Sunday night. We've done five lessons. We will have done five lessons on personal evangelism, just trying to motivate us all to do better in reaching out to the lost with the gospel message of salvation. Uh, on Wednesday night, we're engaged in a study of marriage and marriage, divorce, and remarriage. We've been talking on the positive side things about marriage that we all need to know and, and, and uh, things we need to practice in our marriages. Starting this next Wednesday night, we're going to have to dive into the tough question of marriage, divorce, and remarriage. And so uh, that's where we are on Wednesday night. And I think that's a playlist too, isn't it, Kyle? Yep, it is. Yeah, yeah. Got uh, good work there, and uh, a good channel to check out on your YouTube if you'd like to have a look at that. Worship 101 is the topic tonight. Keeping it simple, just basic facts about our worship to God. Hey, here's Let's just touch this one more time before we move on. What is necessary for acceptable worship? <coughs> John 4, 23 and 24. The hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers. Now, key in on that. that uh, you want to be a true worshiper? Sounds like I, that's what sure, I want. Sure, sure. The, the hour is coming now is when the true worshipers shall worship the, the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. 
God is a spirit, and they that worship him must must worship him. No. Can't if I want to? No. Must. Oh, must. That's a necessity. You must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so with the right attitude of heart, proper spirit, but according to God's truth, what he's revealed about how it's supposed to be done. Those two things are necessary for acceptable worship. All right. 877-381-4567. You'd like to talk to us on the phone tonight. We'd love to hear from you. So you've got to have spirit and truth, and that's what Kent had referenced in his email, as well as, uh, well, Kent, or I'm sorry, Grant said, uh, he referenced John 4.24. He goes on and says, the worship of God must be done properly, the two requirements being that it must be engaged in with utmost sincerity and as directed by the Word of God. Thank you, Grant, for that uh, comment tonight. Um, and then uh, Dwight and Michelle, um, we can only worship uh, the Lord God by presenting ourselves uh, Matthew four verse ten. So you can only your 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 object of worship has to be God Matthew four verse ten. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, and what uh, it has to be uh, well, your bodies have to be presented as a living and holy sacrifice. Romans twelve verse one. Whatever you do in word or deed, we need to do it according to God's will. Colossians three sixteen and seventeen. Without it being in accordance to the will of God, our worship will be in vain, as Nadab and Abihu showed us in Leviticus 10, verses 1 and 2. Good. Good, Good Dwight. Thanks, Thanks, Dwight and Michelle. Okay. And Michelle. Give her credit now. Okay. Yeah. Uh, she, I think Michelle probably sent in most of those emails and uh, most of those comments, and Dwight put his name on there just so that uh, he'd look smart. Okay. All right. All right. Next question. We sometimes talk about the five acts of worship. What are they? And very briefly describe each one. I think we understand what each one is. So, and you can list them in different orders. Singing is an act of worship because remember our definition. We hold God in deep homage and reverence and we act. We, we, we engage in acts to demonstrate that. And so our singing uh, is one of the ways that we do that. Uh, Paul said Ephesians 5, uh, Ephesians 5 verse 18, verse 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Colossians 3 verse 16, which is a real parallel, almost identical statement He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Notice, he says, we're singing to the Lord. And now we're teaching and admonishing one another, but we're singing to the Lord. Yeah. All right. So we're going to sing. So singing is is an act of worship. Now, can I, that organ, what about that? Hang on to that. Let's talk about that when we talk about some okay. mistakes that people make okay. about worship. All right. Now, so singing is one thing. Prayer is uh, uh, something that we do. In Acts chapter 20, when Paul was with the elders uh, from Ephesus, uh, in Acts chapter 20, verse, let's see. Uh, wait, I'm not, I'm not in the right chapter. My pages are sticking together real bad. Verse 36 uh, you ought to use that thing every now and then. I know it. When when Paul had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. So in, in this assembled group, it wasn't the whole church in Ephesus, but it was the elders and Paul and Paul's traveling company, no doubt. And they knelt and, to, and prayed together. That's mm-hmm. that's an act of worship. I'm, I'm I'm praying to God. I'm showing that I honor and respect him. And, and I actually 
am acknowledging my dependence upon him by praying, singing, praying. In that same chapter of Acts 20, we see that Paul preached in when the church came together. Acts 20, verse 7, upon the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached to them, ready to depart on the morrow and continued his speech until midnight. So teaching or preaching took place when the Christians came together. And again, I think that that would fit our definition of worship. So we really deeply love, honor, and respect God, and we want to know about him. And so we study and teach and preach the things that he has revealed to us. That's an act of homage when we do that. Giving uh, is is something that we do. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 9 Verse 7, every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loveth a cheerful giver. God, God is, under, is, is observing that. God, that's done in respect to God, yep. uh, our giving. And then the Lord's Supper. Uh, and again, we've already touched on that, but uh, 1 Corinthians 11, beginning verse 26 and following. Talked about the proper observance of the Lord's Supper. So singing, praying, preaching, giving, observing the Lord's Supper are 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 the what we typically refer to as the five acts of worship. Now that five acts of worship, that's our designation. But again, we're just saying those are the things that we read about in the New Testament that suggest the the deeds of homage done in worship to God. Now, I like how you tied all those into being worshipped to God, because when you go back to those definitions, as you did, uh, Eaton's Bible Dictionary's grant reference, homage rendered to God, vines to worship, prostrate oneself, bow down, um, fayers, uh, kneeling or prostration, or to do homage to one or make obeisance. Uh, Heritage, American Heritage Death Dictionary, the reverent love, respect, and allegiance felt as for a deity. So this worship to God needs to be done that is paying homage to him or reverence to him, respect. So this is not just something that I go and sit in a pew. And, well, we're singing. I don't really know why or what we're doing here, but I'll sing. We're praying. And, boy, what time is it going to get done? I want to. I want to beat the denominations we to the church uh, to yeah. the restaurant. Yeah. Look at that. Look at that way that he's dressed over there. What a crazy tie. He's, no. This is homage and worship to God. And so that's what we need to make sure that we keep in focus. Grant mentions, we won't read all the verses he references. Uh, he says, the five acts of worship, same one we worship. Prayer to God through Jesus Christ, Acts 2.42 and Colossians 3.17. Observe the Lord's Supper, Acts 20, verse 7. Give of our means, 1 Corinthians 16.2. Teach the sacred scriptures, Acts 2.42. Sing spiritual songs, Colossians 3.16. Kent says the five acts or avenues of worship are spec- as specified in the New Testament are engaging in a study of the apostles' doctrine, preaching, contributing as we've been prospered, giving generously and sacrificially, observance of the Lord's Supper, remembering the suffering death of Christ, prayers, expressing our requests to God, confessing our sins, indicating that of, uh, of repentance, and asking for forgiveness. Number five, collectively as the local church, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs in praise to God, in addition to teaching, admonishing, and exhorting one another, the limit of this action is that of singing. Therefore, the employment of mechanical instrumental music is unauthorized and sinful. All right. Thank you, Kent. Mohan says, singing with our voices, giving of our offering for the work of the church, partaking of the Lord's Supper of the bread and juice, preaching and teaching the word of God, fellowshipping with the saints. I don't know. that. 
So fellowshipping with the saints, uh, really the word fellowshipping suggests joint participation. So in really in all of those acts, we are in fellowship with one another as we jointly engage in those activities. So uh, I think that that, that terminology is, is not out of place. And Dwight and Michelle said, preaching, teaching the word of God. The word is truth and is able to save your soul. Singing it is to be done from the heart. Singing and making melody in your hearts to God. Praying it is to be done uh, to God through his son Jesus. Ephesians five nineteen and 20. Giving is for the work of the church. Helping needy saints and preaching on the first day of the week. Lord's Supper to be done on the first day of the week in the assembly of the church to remember the Lord's death till he comes. Okay, good. Okay. All right, we got one question left, Jacob, and this is an important one. We'll have to go kind of quickly because we could talk for a long time on some of this. But I mentioned three common mistakes that are made concerning worship. Adding to or substituting things that are not authorized. Doing the right things but only doing them as mere ritual. and Or having the idea that anything is good in worship as long as it provides me with an emotional high. Oh, here we go. So we'll talk about those when we get back from this break. We're at the top of the hour right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. I'm Greg Gwynn, a host of the Virtual Bible Study. Thanks for joining us for tonight's program. The Virtual Bible Study is presented weekly by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Each week on the Virtual Bible Study, we simply engage in the study of God's Word in an effort to better understand it, better understand how God views us, and better understand what He wants from us in our lives. We're not studying any creeds. We're not studying any books written by men. We're just studying the Bible. And we're trying to study the Bible alone without any of our opinions or wisdom mixed in. We're only interested in what our Creator has revealed to us in his word we realize that we're fallible and cannot direct our own steps as a result what we think or feel doesn't really matter all that matters is what god has said so that's what the virtual bible study is all about it's pretty simple isn't it thanks again for joining us tonight and we will hope you'll make plans to join us every thursday night for the virtual bible study we're tracking the trends on the virtual bible study according to a recent survey a large portion of teenagers in the u.s believe that more than one religion may be true Among 13- to 17-year-old teenagers, 45% believe many religions may be true, far outpacing the 31% who believe that only one religion is true. A much smaller portion, 15%, believe there is little to no truth in any religion, and 8% believe no religion is true. That information is via the Baptist Press. The Word of God says in John 14, verse 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over, and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. Back on that program, going to the top of the hour with Worship 101, basic fundamental things about our worship to God. So the last thing we want to talk about is some common errors. Let's talk about adding or substituting things that are not authorized in Scripture. Uh, So I've got an auto body shop, Jacob, and you have a expensive classic car mm, be nice i mean this and, and i mean this is the kind of thing you don't you don't you know you've been to car shows where you don't even touch the cars you know, no that's a no no don't even touch them so you bring your classic car to me and tell me the things you want me to do to it as far as you know restoring a few things here or there whatever so you leave and uh, I get ready to start in on the car, and I said, you know what would really look cool on this car is a great big old fin right down the middle of the roof and off the back, sort of like, you know, 
space age thing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to add a fin to the roof of this classic car. Would I be respecting your car or you if I just took it upon myself to add some outrageous thing that you had never discussed with me? That would be that would be just inconceivable. Yeah. But that that effectively is what people are doing with their worship. They're just adding things that uh, doesn't have anything to do with what God said. And and really, when you think about it, uh, I got a quote here from Victoria Osteen. Oh yeah. You, you know Joel Osteen. Yes. This is his wife. Yes. Victoria. She says, I just want to encourage every one of us to realize when we obey God, we're not doing it for God. I mean, that's one way to look at it. We're doing it for ourselves because God takes pleasure when we're happy. That's the thing that gives him the greatest joy. So I want you to know this morning, just do good for your own self. Do good because God wants you to be happy. When you come to church, when you worship him, you're not doing it for God, really. You're doing it for yourself because that's what makes God happy. And she went on to reference what Bible verse? (laughs) Noticeably absent Bible verse. Okay. Uh, Well, go ahead. Go ahead. I interrupt your train of thought. Go ahead. Well, here's here's another example of, of things people might add in. This is from ABC News. In front of a packed church, Pastor Lawrence Bishop II climbed up on the back of a snorting, anxious bull named Bone Crusher. The animal was let loose, and Bishop hung on as tight as he uh, uh, hung on tight as he was buckled around the the ring he built inside his Ohio church. He lasted about three seconds before being thrown off and trampled. Battered and bruised, the 48-year-old preacher then picked himself up, climbed to safety, and began his sermon. When he asked new believers to come forward to be baptized, the response was huge, and about 300 people stepped up. Kyle, quick Google in that church. I know Kyle's <laughs> wanting to go there. Bone crusher, man. I think that's a good idea. Okay. We need to get Greg on a bull. We need to to talk about adding things that are nowhere mentioned in the Word of God, yeah. you, you see the mindset there that, that people are just saying anything goes, well, man, anything goes. Okay, now it's it's obvious in what Victoria Osteen said and what the bull riding preacher are doing. Are they paying obeisance to God or to men? Are they trying to please God or men? They're obviously interested in the audience instead of in God. But any time we deviate from what God said, that's what we're doing. Yeah. We reference Leviticus chapter 10, Nadab and Abihu again. In verse 3, after they had committed this sin and been struck dead, notice what Moses said. Moses said, This is that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me, and before all the people I will be glorified. God said, when Nadab and Abihu did not follow his instructions, when they made up the rules... He was not glorified. He was not sanctified. He was not worshipped. Instead, he was insulted. And that's what's going on in the religious world today when we make up the rules and we don't follow the rules that God has given us. And yet we call it worship. And you told us already that we can call anything we want worship. It doesn't mean that God views it that way. Right, right. And that's why I think it was important to start our study out with what what is worship? What's, what, it, what are we really supposed to be doing when we worship? Dwight and Michelle in the chat room said, As we worship, we have seen many times that others play with their children or they're dressed immodestly or some talk during worship. This is a distraction. It can interfere with our worship to God. Are we respecting God or our brethren doing these things? 
Well, it is a serious thing, uh, Dwight and Michelle, and we need to behave appropriately when we're worshiping yeah. God. All right. Grant says, adding or substituting things that are not authorized in Scripture is an error. When individuals do this, they're not recognizing Jesus Christ as having all authority. When they do this, Second John 9 states that anybody who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Yeah, there you go. Um, and uh, Kent said, adding or substituting things unauthorized by the New Testament involves one in the sin of presumption. Doing, okay, okay yep. hang on to that. We're going to okay. get that second point yep, here right. in a minute. Okay, uh, okay and, and Mohan's talking about the emotional high. Dwight says, adding can be as simple as adding instruments of music to our worship assembly, substituting the bread and the fruit of the vine for something different. So one of the additions of substitution that's so common is the in New Testament worship is the addition of instrumental music. It's not in the New Testament. You can't find instrumental music in the New Testament. You can find music. It's always vocal music, singing. You can't find instrumental music in the New Testament scriptures. But man, that has been that that is a, almost a universal addition to worship in the modern era, and uh, it's, it's just not authorized. And I mean, it's not a question of whether you like it or not. I like it. It's a question: you're going to do what God said to do or not. Yeah. So again, adding unauthorized things is going to make our worship in vain. We're following the teachings and doctrines of men rather than the instructions of God. And that was what Jesus said produces vain or worthless religion. Now, I've never gotten this call, but imagine if I did. Let's say the president wanted me to come to his office and speak with him, spend some time with him. Don't you imagine that you'd get a list about as long as your arm of the protocol oh, yeah. for what you need to do in the Oval Office? How you should be dressed. How, what you should do. How you should present yourself, how you would, what you should say, and and how, even where you should stand, uh, how you would maybe extend your hand to to shake hands, or I mean, all of that would probably you'd be given probably lots of of specific instruction. And who would be audacious enough to say, you know, yeah, that's not doing it for me. I, I'm a lot more comfortable if I put my feet up on that little coffee table he's got there in front of his couch. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I want to I'll just do it this way. It'll be fine. No, no one would have the nerve to do that. And yet they're doing it with the almighty creator on a daily basis. Yeah. All right. What about this? So so just adding to substituting doing your own thing religiously. Colossians 3.17 is always a fallback verse. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of. That expression means by the authority of the Lord Jesus. So we, we've got to have authority. It's got to be It's got to be authorized in Scripture. We can't just do our own thing. But in religion, obviously that's what's happening. All right. Now, what, so, here's, so that's one problem. What about doing the right things but only doing them ritualistically so we talked about the five acts of worship and man i'm doing them i'm doing all five of them but i'm not really i'm not concentrating on it my heart's not in it i'm i'm, I'm just going through the motions so to speak uh, i'm not even really there I'm, my mind is wandering on things way off remember we looked at this passage earlier matthew 15 verse 8 this people draweth nigh to me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. 
Jesus said, that won't get the job done. Just, just ritualistically going through the pro, the, the process is not going to get the job done. In the book of Revelation, in chapter two, the Lord had complaints against the church at Ephesus. He says, I, and, and they were still doing this, the, the right things. Verse two, I know thy works, thy labor, thy patience, how thou canst bear them that are evil, that thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, found them liars, and has borne and has patience, and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. It looked like th- that their, their devotion sincere. I mean, they were still going, they're still doing the right things. He didn't complain at all about what they were doing there. But he says, your, your heart's not Something there. Was your, missing. Your, your love's not there. Yep. Okay. Uh, doing things right, Kent says, but only engaging them as ritual destroys the correct motivation of worshiping God in spirit and truth. Okay, and I think so, that's right. All right. Grant answers that question by saying there is this little word in John 4, verse 24, which is and. If we set worship in spirit only, we are wrong. If we worship in truth only, we are wrong. We must worship in spirit and I truth. think that's right. Good point. Uh, Mohan, uh, a lot of churches, churches worship uh, as they do since it promotes. Oh, that's the, la- the last one. Okay, let's just talk about that real quick because we're just out of time. Uh, lip worship, in other words, is not coming from the heart. Uh, Dwight and Michelle say Matthew 15, 8 and Isaiah 29, verse 13. Okay, and what about uh, it's everything is good as long as I feel good. I, you know, uh, the, the real object of this worship is to get me emotionally excited. I'm looking for a church that worships in a way where I leave totally Jazzed up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dwight, or excuse me, Grant says, um, when we worship God, our focus should be on him, not ourselves. We we come to worship and please him. And Kent says, worshiping God only on the basis of receiving an emotional high directs worship towards that of self rather than submission to God. Okay. Uh, Dwight and Michelle say, our conscience can deceive us to, into doing things we think are right, but, but according to God, we are wrong. Our feelings can deceive us. Proverbs fourteen twelve, Jeremiah ten twenty three. Mohan says a lot of churches worship as they do since it provides them with an emotional high, such as clapping while singing, clapping when the preacher preaches a good sermon, and having a charismatic personality while worshiping. Having an emotional high does not prove that worship is acceptable. That's a really to God. good point. Mohan's exactly right. You know that that would, that's the acid test of most people. Do I feel good? That's not that's not necessarily. You know sometimes. Studying and learning the will of God ought to make us feel bad if we realize that we've not been fulfilling our duty and and following his word. So, you know, the the emotion might not necessarily be a great high. It might be that I feel low. Uh, I've I've been brought down. Uh, I've got a broken and contrite spirit because I've learned that I've not been doing the will of God. Most people say, oh, that's not good. I mean, if your worship makes you feel bad, that's no. Sometimes we should, we should, if we've done bad, we should feel bad. Yeah. All right. Um, and uh, over and over again, the scriptures teach us about people who thought they were right with God, but they weren't. Uh, Robert in the chat room says, is it okay to say amen to encourage our preacher when he brings up a good point or we have just finished a very uplifting song? Uh, there is a New Testament precedent for saying amen in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, uh, uh, verse 16, 
uh, he, Paul was talking about the use of spiritual, uh, spiritual gifts and specifically speaking in tongues. And he said, if you're speaking in tongues and there's no interpreter, he says, else when, uh, when thou shalt bless with the spirit, how shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say amen at thy, at thy giving a thanks seeing he understandeth not what thou sayest. And so the idea of amen, which just means may it be so or let it be so, uh, it seems clear that Paul was saying that's, that's a reasonable thing to do. And you got, but you got to understand what's been said before you can do it. All right. Amen to that. Yeah. All right. Good. We're out of time. We are out of time. Uh, appreciate that question, Robert. Dwight and Michelle in Acts 2, they were pricked in their heart. And so there was an emotional response. That came from hearing the yeah. truth of God. They, they, didn't, they didn't feel too good about it yeah. until, uh, at oh, that so point. Oh, so that was not, not a spiritual high. Yeah. A spiritual low. Kyle, uh, any final comments from that end of the board tonight? Yeah, that's a good study. I think it's another essential study in this little 101 little short series here. So it's a, it's a good, it's a good lesson. Fundamental, fundamental truths though. That's All right, good. good. Thanks for helping us get it out tonight. And, and if to our listeners, if you th- can think of another one-on-one topic, we might do this another week or two. I've, I've got one in mind, maybe for next week. I won't tease you with it, but we may do another one-on-one next week. Oh, good. Are we going to get it like into 201? I don't know. You know, you, you, advanced study, you know, that's a little, that's a different subject. Okay. All right. Um, uh, they, 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 thanks for your hard work behind the scenes, Kyle, in the chat room tonight. And thank you for being on the other end of the line tonight. Uh, we appreciate your comments and for you participating in the study. Dad, thanks for your time tonight. Thanks, we'll Jacob. We hope you benefited from, from our study and discussion of God's Word. I hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.